This is the Terry and Jesse show. My partner Terry is doing some apostolic work. I'm out here in Massachusetts <clears throat> doing a parish mission, preaching the Catholic gospel of Jesus Christ. Or what I'm doing is I tell people, if you invite me to your parish, I'll give you some power preaching with devil destroying theology. That's what I do. And that's what I do best. And I just want to <clears throat> congratulate all of you that went to the, the Spiritual Warfare Conference this past weekend. And I'll tell you why, because it shows that you're serious Catholics. It shows that you really want to uh, understand the depth of the Catholic faith as it relates to spiritual warfare. So I applaud you for that. By the way, I'm nursing a cold. I've got, uh, <clears throat> got a little flu going, got a little bug. So you're probably saying, Jess, you sound nasal. Well, it's not because I... Uh, it's not because uh, anything with the technology. It's because, yeah, I'm a little nasal. But you know what? All for Jesus. Offer it up. Hey, today, we're going to have a special guest. There's a Catholic priest friend of mine we're going to have on the show. He's an infiltrator in Hollywood. Yes. Can you imagine a Catholic priest who's Orthodox, whose full-time assignment is working in Hollywood. He's got this media apostolate called Catholic Media Missionaries. His name is Father Darren Merlino. We're going to have him off. We're going to have him on on the second, third, and fourth segment. And there's also a new movie that he's part of that we're going to show you the clips. It's called Nefarious. And the movie's written by two Catholic screenwriters. And so a Catholic priest, two Catholic screenwriters, have everything to do with this movie that's coming out on April 14th. So we'll show you the clip and we'll have Father Darren on. And uh, <clears throat> he's just an interesting guy. The fact is, his full-time apostolate ministry is to evangelize in Hollywood. Okay. <clears throat> what's going on around the world? Before I tell you what's going on around the world, I just want to remind you that the month of March is dedicated to St. Joseph. The entire month falls during the liturgical season of Lent, which is represented by the liturgical colored purple, which is a symbol of penance, mortification, and the sorrow of a contrite heart. Don't forget to go to confession during Lent. Don't forget to go. <clears throat> and also, remember, Add St. Joseph to your prayers. Here's the way I do it. I pray to St. Joseph every day. I add him in my doxology. I add my prayers in the morning and in the evening. I say this. I say, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, we love you. Save souls. And then I'll, I'll also say, St. Joseph, terror of demons, pray for us. That's one of my preferred titles. I know he has many titles. But I like to pray to St. Joseph under terror of demons. And then I like to also call the Holy Family in my prayer when I say, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, we love you, save souls. Okay. A couple of items on the news. Number one, job attacks authors at a book lunch. A mob of women attacked the authors of the book Stolen Youth. How radicals are erasing innocence and indoctrinating a generation at a lunch at a lunch party. So the author is Bethany Mandel. She was attending the event with her with her two-month-old son, 
who thankfully was in the care of a friend when the attacks occurred. And she said, quote, our book is a calm, rational take on the indoctrination and forced conformity happening in America today and the way it is aimed at our children. So the author, uh, the authors also said, their protests prove our point. So when the left attack people like Matt Walsh or this author here, Bethany Mandel, or other conservative authors like, you know, Milo Yiannopoulos or Carol Mark Markowitz, they make our point. The left is violent. Okay? They're not passive. They're violent. Another news item. <clears throat> the Supreme Court of the United States asked Congress for increased security. You think? The United States Supreme Court has put in a request for Congress to provide nearly $6 billion worth of increased security, citing threats and attacks that spiked following the court's repeal of Roe versus Wade. The, uh, the U.S. Supreme Court says, quote, ongoing threat assessments show evolving risks that require continuous protection, close quote. And of course, I don't think the, the Biden administration is real crazy about protecting these conservatives that overtoned Roe versus Wade, but he's probably going to have to because the Congress is run by the GOP right now. Also, another, another news item, Texas man claims wrongful death via abortion pill. As Texas becomes ground zero in the fight over the legality of chemical abortion drugs, a Texas man has filed a wrongful death lawsuit against three women who allegedly helped his ex-wife access abortion pills that killed his unborn child. So according to the court filings under Texas law, a person who assists the pregnant women in obtaining a self-managed abortion has committed murder and can be sued for wrongful death. Way to go, Texas. Also, how did Tennessee do it? Tennessee Republican Governor Bill Lee recently signed a bill into law that effectively banned drag queen events targeting children. Ron Hale, the Tennessee Christian minister, says more state legislatures and governors need to follow his state's lead in protecting our children. But how did such a law succeed in passing the state legislature and getting the governor's signature? Finally, did you hear about this good news item? Good news. High school football coach Joe Kennedy has reached a 1.8 million settlement with the Washington School District that placed him on administrative leave in 2015 for praying on the field. The Bremerton School District Board of Directors voted unanimously on March 16 in favor of the settlement to cover Kennedy's legal expenses. His attorneys took his case all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court, which ruled in Kennedy's favor in June 2022. <clears throat> Mr. Kennedy, Joe Kennedy, has also been reinstated and will return to the school as an assistant football coach for the 2023 season. Good for you, Joe Kennedy, fellow Catholic. God bless you. Gospel for today, <clears throat> John chapter 8, verse 51 to 59. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. Jesus said to the Jews, Amen, amen, I say to you, whoever keeps my word will never see death. Now, what's our Lord talking about here? Death. He's not talking about a natural death because we're all going to die a natural death. 
He's talking about mortal sin, eternal death in hell. It says, so the Jews said to him, now we are sure that you are possessed. Stop there. What's interesting is that the Jews, these Pharisees and Sadducees that were possessed, were always accusing Jesus that he was possessed. The Pharisees and Sadducees are like modern liberals. Liberals will call you exactly what they are. You're a racist. No, they're the ones that are racist. Oh, you don't you don't love the poor. No, they're the ones that are actually have legislation that goes against the poor. So the Pharisees and Sadducees are like old New Testament liberals. What they call Jesus actually applied to them. They were the ones that were possessed. It goes on to say, our Lord says, Abraham did, died, as did the prophets. Yet you say, whoever keeps my word will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died or the prophets who died? Who do you make yourself out to be? Notice the Jews call Abraham a patriarch father. So you can call somebody spiritually your father. We see the Jews do this with Abraham. So the Protestants are wrong again. <clears throat> Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is worth nothing. But it is my father who glorifies me of whom you say he is our God. You do not know him, but I know him. And if I should say that I do not know him, I would be a, a liar. I would be like you, a liar. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Our Lord just disrespected the Pharisees and Sadducees, saying, you guys think you know Yahweh? You don't know him. I know him. He's my father. I come from him. You don't know him. The Bible says, Abraham, your father, rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, you're not yet 50 years old and you've seen Abraham? What's going on here? Abraham lived about on earth about 2,000 years before Christ. And Jesus is telling the Jews, you know, Abraham who has been dead for 2,000 years. I knew him and Abraham saw me. When did Abraham see Jesus? At the theophany when Jesus Christ appeared to Abraham. And he stopped Abraham from killing his son Isaac. So it says here in the Bible, Jesus said to them, Amen, amen, I say to you, <clears throat> before Abraham came to be, I am. He just told the Jews, before Abraham was, I am the eternal God. That's what he said. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus went away out of the temple area, the gospel of the Lord. Why did they want to kill him? For blasphemy. And notice, Jesus Christ, he either disappeared in front of them, or he, or he became invisible and walked past them. Or maybe he blinded them so they could not see him. But he did one of those three. Hey, we'll be right back. On with Father Jerry Molino. Stick around. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Harry and Jesse Show. And Jesse show. We are here with my good friend, Father Darren Merlino from Catholic Media Missionaries. Father, welcome to the Terry and Jesse show. Thank you very much. Can you hear me? I can hear you perfect. 
Great. Hey, uh, don't mind me. I've got a sore throat. I'm out here in Massachusetts uh, with the stuff he knows doing a parish mission. But Father, uh, well, I just want to let you know, we miss you out in the Diocese of Phoenix. Father Darren was a pastor. Where were you a pastor right in Phoenix again? Uh, Pre- uh, Sacred Heart in Prescott, or Prescott or Prescott, depending on how you, if you're a local or not. Yeah, but uh, hey, you know what? You're a missionary priest, so uh, you know we got to get used to the fact that missionaries get moved. But you know what? You probably have one of the coolest, most interesting assignments for a Catholic priest. I mean, how cool is that? You're right in the belly of the beast. You work in Hollywood. And Father, yes. you're trying to make a difference as a, as a Catholic priest, as an Orthodox Catholic priest. You're trying to make a difference in Hollywood. Uh, how long ago was it that you moved out to Hollywood? And what's the name of the apostolate that you started? I moved out here in 2018 in August. Uh, it's called Catholic Media Missionaries. And uh, I, the nonprofit started about uh, June-ish, July, uh, June-ish, July of 19. And uh, we've I've been uh, been really busy, you know, working on my TV show and, and writing my book and working with people who make movies in the industry uh, ever since. Obviously, COVID shut me down for a good... Phew, a good year and a half, two years. So really, yeah, I was unable to to do my interview show, which is called The Hound of Heaven, where I interview famous Catholics and notable Catholics. I have my first season up on my website, uh, which is called The Hound of Heaven, and it, it, my acronym is C is in Cat, M is in Mary, M is in Mary, the number one dot org, CMM number one dot org, and you can see my TV series. I interview the guys who we're going to talk about this today about the movie. And then also uh, some fo- baseball players, a uh, uh, hockey player, and an, entre- an entrepreneur who feeds like five thousand kids a day with this pasta. It's quite a. Hey, Father, I'm gonna. You got to You got to interview. Well, there's, there's. I'm sure there's a whole lot of Catholics that are on the list for you to for you to interview. Now that you're back up and running. Yeah. I mean, you know, Sheila, Sheila Boo, uh, Kevin James. I mean, the list goes on. You know, mm-hmm. there's a whole lot. Patricia Heaton. Um, you know, I'm sure. I'm sure you you've got a whole list of people that you want to interview, uh, but uh, but how is how is Catholic media missionaries different from many other Catholic ministries that produce videos? Well, we're we're similar insofar as that we want to evangelize using media. Uh, what we're different is uh, in um, actually. I think the only thing that's different is that my personality, <laughs> uh, mm. and and the the uh, I guess I, I'm not afraid to work with uh, Protestants. I'm not afraid yeah. to work with even non-believers who are very talented, who aren't anti-Catholic or anti-Christian. Uh, some of the movies I've worked on with Chuck and Carrie, uh, who did the movie Unplanned, and now this movie Nefarious coming up. Uh, there were non-believers. There were uh, uh, Protestant believers, very very devout Christians. Uh, I wouldn't say that the other groups don't. Uh, I there is a there's a there's a unique uh, I guess creativity that we want to really use in our uh, in evangelization. I think the guys like Father Peyton for the Family Theater back in the day he he, he enlisted the 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 top Hollywood A listers. That's kind of where I would like to go to is kind of re revigorate that uh, mentality of getting uh, either. Catholics, Christians, or people who are believers into evangelizing and telling a great uh, uh, faith-based story, or sometimes a story that's not necessarily religious, like this movie Nefarious we'll be talking about, uh, 
where 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 you're actually evangelizing uh, people and giving them another choice, another story, uh, trying to keep it moral, trying to keep it clean. Uh, and I think that with the way what I what I what I bring to the table is my ability to work with a lot of people and to elicit people to help. Uh, that's kind of one of my strengths is uh, ha having people want to help and to to want to work together. Um, I can win others over pretty easily. I don't know why. Not all priests could do that, but for some reason, I have that ability to do that. And and, and I could tell an interesting story about that if we had time. So yeah, Father. So you pretty much answered because I was going to ask you why it's important to interview Catholic celebrities. You pretty much answered it, and you basically also alluded to the fact that. You know, regular people can relate to these stories. But let me ask you another question. Mm -hmm. What kind of obstacles does Catholic media missionaries face in a town and in an industry that seems overtly hostile to Christianity and Catholic messages? So I have to, the hard part is finding people I trust, whether they're Catholic, Christian, or non-believers. There are some non-believers I trust. There are some non-believers I don't trust. There are some Catholics I trust, some Catholics I don't trust, and uh, Christians I do and do not trust. Uh, unfortunately, that list isn't very long yet, but I'm running into people. Uh, narcissism is something I have to deal with uh, in a very profound way. Uh, egos, uh, that's a tough one because everybody has an ego. Everybody has pride. So you never know when it's going to come out. Believe it or not, the only way for me to combat it is to be completely in control of my content and what I say can or cannot be done on the screen. Uh, I'm going to tell you uh, an example of this. I've been asked to work on a movie. I can't go into the details yet, but uh, I said I could be I could be a part of this movie. It's about my people, Italians who came to the U.S. Uh, during World War II, who were prisoners during World War II in 1943 in Indiana. I said I would love to work with it. I read the script, loved it. Felt like this was Oscar material. Absolutely. I was totally stunned by the, the, the excellence of this script. And I said, hey, I would love to promote it. But, you know, the, the GDs and the, you know, the God this and the JC that and the language, not a lot, but there's enough in there where I, said, oh, I really can't promote it. I have I have a 68 countries and five 500 parishes and 3000 priests. I would love to promote it, but really can't do it if it's got this language in it. Uh, let me know if you're interested and I'll help you out and I'll promote it for you. Sure enough, they said, well, we would look, we would change the language so that you would help promote the film. So if it happens, great. We'll see if it does happen. Uh, I don't, you know, in Hollywood, nothing's, nothing's really a, a guarantee until you see it in writing and you're signing the contract. Um, but I was surprised that the, as a Catholic priest, I was able to say, hey, look, I'll, I'll help you, but you got to do this for me. And they were willing to do that. Wow. Uh, and, and, and the producers are Catholic, you know, they're probably nominal Catholics, but still they, they knew I was a Catholic priest, Italian, very energetic, very creative. Uh, uh, I bring a very, I, I'm not an A-list Catholic priest by any stretch of the imagination. I'm not like the, the Michael Schmitz in the world, but I do have a decent uh, contact list where I can get, uh, I know a lot of people. So I, I think the people in, in, in these are Hollywood. This is like Oscar level people who want to who are working on this film, who want me to help them. So uh, I just wow. I don't know what it is about my personality. They just seem to like it, I guess. Well, Father, you're pretty. You're, I've known you for years. You're easygoing. Uh, you know, you're not you're not you're not a narcissist. You're not full of yourself. So no. uh, it, it doesn't surprise me that people get along with you. Tell me a little bit about you've released six videos that comprise season one of Hound of Heaven. Tell us a little bit about that. 
All right. So the short story, uh, Steven, Steven Spielberg uh, came up with a TV series, uh, a, a show, a foundation where he interviewed 55,000 Holocaust survivors. And it gave me an idea. So, you know, it'd be kind of interesting if we had like a Catholic version of a kind of like a spiritual log of all these famous Catholics that would, you know, give their story. So, you know, these Holocaust victims went through serious evil. But I thought, well, we'll just take the, the concept of interviewing and just do like a Catholic version of that. So that's what happened. It was during the, the I was doing something very holy when I came up with the idea for the Hound of Heaven as a, as a show. I was eating sushi. And as I was eating sushi, I was talking to my friends about this idea for this TV show. And, and I go, well, it's kind of like the Hound of Heaven comes down and pursues us. And like, oh, I think I'll call my show Hound of Heaven. So that's what I decided. I ran it by my, my Hollywood guys here and they liked the idea. So Hollywood, the Hound of Heaven is kind of like people who are converts, inverts, reverts, or uh, who, who either left the church, came back, who became converts, or always stayed Catholic. Um I interviewed uh, Chuck and Carrie. Uh, Joe DePinto was a hockey player, won the Stanley Cup. Uh, Sir, Sir Bruno Serrato was uh, beats like kids. And what they're what they're basically doing, and I got Trevor Williams, he pitches for the for the Washington Nationals, and Mike Sweeney used to play with the with the Royals, and then Mike Sosha used to coach the Angels and play with the Dodgers. These guys tell their story and how God worked in their lives throughout their careers or before or after or how they like like Trevor Williams, for example, is pretty much a guy who's he's, a, he's an intellectual, likes to read. Uh, and he uh, even uh, wrote a blurb for my book, uh, that 30 Days Unplugged. And he he kind of stayed with the church. Mike Sosha, kind of the same thing. Mike Sweeney, same thing. Uh, Joe DePenta left and came back. Uh, Harry is a Jew who became Catholic. So what's interesting is everybody's story hits somebody in a special way. I had an atheist listen to the TV series. He's in the movie Nefarious. He plays the priest. And he's a, uh, and he said, you know what? The, the Trevor Williams story really hit me about his father. And if you watch the series, you'll know what I'm talking about. And so we were hoping that everybody who knew these people in a secular context would realize that their Catholic faith influenced them to be who they are. And so we're hoping that their stories will will maybe either convince somebody to become Christian or Catholic or maybe look at God in a different way, that God is not a taboo. I mean, we have a very anti-Christian society, but like all these guys who are willing to uh, to explain their faith and come and come out of the closet, if you will, to talk about their Catholicism. Yes. And my hope is that they can, uh, you know, use their life as an example for people to, to embrace Christianity or Catholicism. How can people watch? How can people watch the season one of Hound of Heaven? Where do they go to? You go to my website, cmm1.org. It's right there. You click Watch Now, and it brings you up all six episodes, and you can watch it in, in milliseconds. Awesome. Father, so what have you learned that will affect you and how you approach the next season when you start? What are uh, the, do, the do's and don'ts? The, I would say the do is this. I, I would do, a, as usual, the very long version of the interview. Let's say it's an hour, hour and a half. And then I would, what I wanted to do in the first season, but just didn't have the money or the time, would break it down into miniature episodes. So let's say I interview uh, Kevin James for an hour and a half. Yeah. Uh, I would break it down into like maybe 10 or 11 mini episodes where we would ask a different question. So if somebody, so if I did it on social media, we would edit it where people want to watch the long version or watch all the episodes whenever they felt like it. That's one of the things I, I realized that, you know, the average person would watch my TV series for like the first 20 minutes. 
So we know that the, each episode, if if you will, would have to be broken down into anywhere between three to ten minutes uh, for each little question or question question. You know, uh, basically that way. Uh, also, I have a, a new producer who is going to help me try to get it out to more uh, uh, viewers. Uh, his hope is to get it out to quite a few million. Uh, I, I didn't have that as uh, as a as a as a as something I could use for the advertising and getting the the word out. Um, I probably I've learned I learned how to shoot uh, inexpensively, but yet Hollywood Hollywood quality. Uh, I've I've learned how to do that as well, and I've also learned how to also do uh, two episodes in a day, which also saves money on production. So there. Wow, you're listening to Father Jerry Rolino here on the Terry and Jesse Show. He's uh, his apostolate is Catholic Media Missionaries. Stick around. We'll be right back. We'll continue this interview. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Gary Jesse show. <clears throat> I'm over here in uh, Massachusetts at a parish, doing a parish mission for the whole week. Uh, kind of lost my voice, and I've got a head cold. But hey, I'm gonna soldier on, uh, all for Jesus. I've got Father Darren Rolino on the line. He's from Catholic Media Missionaries. <clears throat> Father is a very unique priest. He works in Hollywood. His goal is to evangelize in Hollywood. And the good thing is that Father's on our side. What do I mean by that? He's one of the Orthodox priests. He's not some wacky leftist. He's a good, solid priest from the uh, the the the, uh, the order, the, the the Claritian order. And so, Father, let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. You you just uh, you're part of this movie that just is coming out in April 14th. We'll, we'll show the clip on the next segment, the two minute trailer. It's called Nefarious. I watched it. I was riveted. We're going to show it on the next segment to the audience. But um, making a a movie like Nefarious, did you face any demonic opposition to this film? Uh, That's like asking the Pope, is he Catholic? (laughs) Okay. Talk Uh, to me about it. Give us, give uh, us a, give us a big picture. What's, what's nefarious about? Give us a big picture. Nefarious is, I would say that it's, it's screw tape letters uh, meets uh, Hannibal Lecter or Silence of the Lambs. Wow. It's about a possessed serial killer who is about to be executed for his crimes. A psychiatrist has to do a final evaluation before execution to see if he's sane or insane. In the meantime, the psychiatrist doesn't believe in God or the devil, and the devil knows that inside the serial killer. And the devil just takes him for an intellectual psychological thriller ride uh, towards until all the way through the movie. And so it's it's very intense. It's highly it's dialogue heavy. However, it's not boring as you as you will see. And uh, the um, uh, there's no cussing in the movie, and uh, the MPA uh, is very biased. Gave it an R rating anyways because the the main character, which you'll see on the uh, in the trailer, uh, breaks his pinky, uh, and that's ridiculous. <laughs> so um, the the devil wanted to make sure the movie wasn't made. God made sure that the movie was made. I never seen a push and pull of two divine, uh, a divine uh, God and the devil literally fighting back and forth to make sure this movie was made. I, I, I had never seen anything like it. Wow. 
Well, the audience is going to see the trailer in the next segment. So uh, what was it like being on set? Were you actually on set uh, as an advisor in some of the in some of the parts of the movie? Yes, I was a technical advisor. My job was to read the script and to see if there was any theological errors. I don't I, I remember when I first read it, it's like, yeah, I don't see any errors here. Pretty much how the guy got possessed was pretty, pretty accurate. Uh, was not very uh, they made sure that it was pretty believable if you're an exorcist or been trained in exorcism or know enough about extra uh, possession that you could say, yeah, it's possible how this guy became um, uh, possessed. And so uh, there was not too much creative uh, license in that, to be honest with you. I couldn't I don't remember seeing anything. Uh, I did say to them, I go, well, you know, because uh, the, the, you, you can't eliminate demons because they can't be annihilated. They just have to go somewhere else. So uh, you it's a very unique uh, form of exorcism, because once the the devil, once the guy is uh, killed, where does the devil go? So uh, you learn about that. Um, wow. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, I, I would say that uh, uh, the, the only thing I. There, there seem to be uh, there, there's, there's still hope in the in, in there, but uh, I'd have to say that the only thing that I was kind of embarrassed about is the priest part in the movie. But unfortunately, I've ran into it too many times. So, uh, Father, I, was this was this story? I didn't catch it. Was it based on a true story or loosely based on a true story? Uh, no, actually, it was a, wasn't based on any true story. Okay, okay, uh, however. Okay. They said that a lot of the conversations they've heard from Father Rippinger yeah. were kind of conversations they put into the film, like whatever they whatever they felt would work in, in the film. So, yeah, whatever, you know, whatever uh, lecture they had heard, the, the writers, Chuck and Carrie, they probably threw in there and they just kind of doctored it up. Just like the, the TV show Law and Order. A lot of times those shows are based on true events and they just reword everything and change everything around to the point where you recognize it, but you don't recognize it. Uh, Father, well, Chuck and Carrie—they're converts to the Catholic faith, aren't they? Uh, Carrie is. He's uh, was Jewish, kind of. You know, mother was Protestant-ish. She's now Catholic. Prays like four rosaries a day. His father still atheistic Jew. Does not doesn't follow God. Doesn't nothing like that. Um, so, uh, and Chuck was a revert. Uh, wasn't. But funny thing, he went to college. Went to college, and then after he graduated college. Stop going to church, which is usually the opposite. Usually, you leave college, you leave church after college. In college, I mean. So and and, and, and are they are they screenwriters or producers and directors or all three? Yes, three. Okay, and they're, they're, they're mainly screen. They were screenwriters for years, and then all of a sudden, with unplanned, they, they directed their first movie. This is their second movie they directed. Okay, and and what and what you're just a technical advisor in this movie. Yes, uh, they asked me my advice on the theology, and then they also asked me the advice of what the priest should wear. And if you look at the trailer, you'll see what he's wearing. And uh, it was, we had to, with film, it's different than reality because you have to say a lot of nonverbal stuff without, because you only have so much time on screen. So you have to say stuff nonverbally to communicate a message. And so that message when you see the priest, what he's wearing was on purpose because we had to communicate uh, the type of priest he probably is. So, Father, this uh, this goes without saying for you because I know you're a man of prayer. But uh, probably aside from you, you think was there a lot of prayer in making in the making of this film by you, Chuck and Carrie, maybe others? 
Yes, there was a lot of prayer. They even had a, we had a, 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 a Protestant minister, uh, Pastor Gabriel and his wife, Lorraine, really sweet couple. He's a really nice guy. He prayed a lot with, you know, uh, I obviously I was there for I had mass on uh, sometimes on set and sometimes in the in the house that we rented at Airbnb. Uh, it, it, sometimes it made it easier to do at the house, even though it was like 10 o'clock at night, because just it was just too chaotic on the set and there's just too much noise and you can't really pray that well. Uh, we had a lot of prayer and it, it, no matter how much prayer we had, it still didn't feel like enough. It felt like we didn't do enough. Uh, we, we did the exorcism prayer on the auxilium Christodolum app. Uh, we did yeah. that every day. Uh, I, I exercised the set. I exercised, uh, the perimeter of the 200,000 square foot set that we were on. I used, I had tons of salt, like Morton's of like two and a half of those Morton, um, uh, containers. Uh, went through that. I think a two and a wow. half or a, wow. a gallon and a half of exercise water. Uh, it, the as, assistant director came to me. He goes, hey, uh, Father, did you put salt on the ground on the set? I go, yeah, yeah. Because Carrie told me to. He goes, yeah, it's coming on the camera. We're going to have to sweep it away. <laughs> oh, man. So, <laughs> but yeah, uh, we really we really wanted to create a perimeter. And I and it, and it worked inside the, inside that perimeter. So uh, is the would you say that by and large, is the movie theologically correct according to Catholic norms? Yeah, I would say that, as you know, you know, every demon has its own DNA, just like you and I have our own DNA. Yeah, so there's always right, something unique yeah. and there's always something the same. Uh, so there's that. Um, some of the, uh, I don't, I don't want to give too much away. So uh, some of the the dialogue between the the, the devil and the psychiatrist uh, really. Um, like in general, as you know, we don't talk to demons, right? We, as we we never have a conversation because we always lose the conversation. And you right. kind of pick up on that as well, that this the psychiatrist doesn't realize that he's going to lose this conversation if he keeps going on with this. So um, so in a sense, yeah, I think there's some theological truth to that as well. Like we never like the, the Catholic Church is very clear, especially in the rite of exorcism, do not converse converse with the demon at all under any circumstance. Right. <clears throat> especially out of curiosity. Yep, you're only supposed to ask questions, and I think there's only four questions that something are prescribed. Like that. Name, right. number, uh, when are you yeah. leaving, something else like that. Yeah. So, uh, Father, here's a, a lot of people want to know this question. Did you appear in the film? I'm afraid so. <laughs> and I asked to play the priest part, but the priest part, when you see the film, you realize that uh, as they in casting, it's true. You really... If you look it, you are it. So if, if I, if the priest part was kind of a guy who looked like an unbeliever and a little older, and I just didn't have that vibe. I'm too tall. I'm too, uh, I'm going to use a masculine. I'm too testosterone you look, you, heavy. You, you look like, you look like a, a, a linebacker a for, yeah. No, you look like a linebacker for the yeah. NFL. You don't look exactly. like a priest. Yeah. And the part didn't. But they needed somebody like that to play a prison guard. So I play a prison guard and I'm in the like the oh. last 25 pages. And so people are like prison guard. I go, yeah, it was the only part that I could play that I looked the part. I look like I could break your skull if I wanted to. And yeah. so uh, one of the uh, one of the uh, the stunt coordinator, his name is Mark D'Alessandro, a uh, great guy, uh, fallen away Catholic Italian, but really a sweet guy. He was he was a stunt coordinator for a movie called uh, Cliffhanger with a guy named Sylvester Stallone. He played uh. Sylvester Stallone double in a lot of Rockies and a lot of his movies. And uh, he said, "You know, Father, 
you know, in movies, it's really interesting because, Father, you play a really good mean guy. <laughs> you funny. just have that look on your face. You look really mean. So you just look really mean on camera. He's, some, some of the times the nicest guys play really mean people like Neil McDonough, who's a really nice guy, plays a lot of bad guys on, on camera. Yeah, he does. Because, right. So, uh, so anyways, yeah, I played a prison guard. And uh, I, I'm actually, I actually put the crown over his head when he gets electrocuted to death. Yes, yeah, so that's my, wow. my claim to fame. <laughs> so... So on the next segment, we're going to put the trailer, Nefarious. It's a two-minute trailer. We'll put it on in the beginning of the next segment that I'm going to have Father Darren just comment on some things about the, the upcoming movie, April 14th, called Nefarious. Uh, by the way, who's the one that's putting this out? Is this Sony? No. Uh, I think, uh, you know, I don't know who the distributor is. It's Believe Entertainment, which is Chuck and Carey's company. Okay. okay. But I, I know that I don't know who the distributor is outside of that. Okay, and and what's your website for so that people can watch some of your interviews on the Hound of Heaven? What's that website it's, again? It's called cmmnumberone.org. Got it. Cmmnumberone.org. I'm on with Father Darren Morino on the Terry and Jesse Show. We're going to be continuing on this conversation with the upcoming movie, April 14th, Nefarious. We're going to show you a two-minute trailer. Uh, and we have, we have a Catholic priest that was the theological advisor, so you you definitely want to go watch this movie. Stick around, we'll be right back. For sure. Thanks, Jesse. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Terry and Jesse Show, we're on with Father Darren Merlino. He's from the, uh, his, his apostle is called Catholic Media Missionaries, that's cmm1.org. I want you to watch a two-minute trailer of a movie that Father is, uh, he was an advisor, a producer as well. He's uh, involved with this movie. It's called Nefarious, about a possessed prisoner on death row. It comes out on April 14th. Mr. Engineer, can you play the clip? Execution scheduled for 11 p.m. He's trying to convince us he's gone insane. And therefore incapable of being executed. I need you to prove he's faking it. Edward? I'm going to ask you some questions. I'm not Edward. I'm a demon. Demons aren't really a thing. What happened to Edward? We own him. We? <laughs> He's a master manipulator. You have your head so twisted around you think you're the killer. Not him. And give me something to make me believe you. Prove to me you're a demon. Probably just a coincidence. I want to talk to the real Edward. Makes me do bad. I can't stop him. I need you to see something. You got a fan. Did the same thing with all his victims. Help me! I'm trying to, Edward, but you have to answer my questions. You have to tell me the truth. It won't let me. It can go away. It can go away. Yes? 
No. Wow. I can't <laughs> wait to April 14th. I'm set, I'm certainly going to go watch it. I'm, I'm intrigued. Um, uh, yeah, uh, I'm telling you right now, uh, just to tell your listeners, it's extremely imperative. You go out the first weekend. Uh, they had 1800 uh, theaters scheduled. And then all of a sudden they picked the date and the devil knew the date they picked and started asking all these other, all, all of a sudden, all these other movies started coming out. The Pope's Exorcist, uh, uh, Renfell, which is about a, uh, a Dracula uh, eating blood and flesh, and some basketball player. Uh, so all these movies started coming out all of a sudden, as soon as they picked their date. And, they, and the distributor guy from, I think, AMC said, I've never seen anything like it. This usually never happens, even during the heyday of pre-COVID. Six movies coming out at the same time was never usually ever happens. So the devil clearly doesn't want people to see this film. We definitely have to get people to go see it. Uh, and the reason why it's kind of, it's edited like a horror film because they want the horror film crowd to go see it. And they're usually really faithful moviegoers. So, uh, it's set up that way, but us believers don't have, you know, you're not gonna get, it's, it's not that scary. There's no blood, there's no head spinning, there's no crawling on walls, there's no special effects-ish. I mean, just a few things here and there during the execution, but other than that, there's really nothing that you would see like in the movie Exorcist or like heads spinning around in 360s. That that kind of stuff doesn't happen in this film. It's purely dialogue. It's purely intellectual. Uh, it's cleverly written. Chuck and Carrie deserve an Oscar just for original um, uh, uh, screenplay. Uh, Sean Patrick Flannery. I, I, I was watching it. I was on the set going, this guy deserves an Oscar. This guy's really bringing it to the table. And they go, well, you know, the, the Academy probably won't. I said, I'm telling you, you got to put his name out there because this is uh, this is Anthony Hopkins level of you know, Silence of the Lamb level stuff. <clears throat> Father, so uh, so the, the movie's coming on April 14th. What is Edward accused of? How many people is he accused of killing the protagonist? Uh, he was he's accused of killing. He's, he was convicted for six. Okay, but you learn more when you learn he had killed more under a different person. Got so, it. Okay, so where where did you shoot the film? Oklahoma City uh, oh. at Prairie Prairie Studios, and also the prison that you saw pictures of was actually we shot three days, the first three days at an actual prison, and the movie was the first time in Oklahoma history that it was actually shot in a prison in Oklahoma. Wow. So yeah. did did you review the script before the film was shot? Yes. That, yeah, they. I, I my God, my job is to see if there's any intel. I mean, uh, theological errors, either blatant or in, inadvertently, whatever. It, it, I like I said, there wasn't really that much in there um, that I could find. <clears throat> right. It looks like it's. Uh, it looks like it's well done. Um, did the filmmakers discuss it with you in detail? The script. You know, were you were you part of this? The life of, of this movie from the no, I was. Uh, so during COVID, uh, the screenwriters used to come to my house in Huntington Beach, and I would say mass there. I basically had my own parish, Our Lady of Huntington Beach Parish, where I had like 20 f- 
people come to my house on Saturday and Sundays and we would talk and they were writing the script during their, uh, I think during 2020 and 2021, no, 2020 and 2021, they wrote the script and they would just tell me, they would never go into detail and they finally sent me the script. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is really good. Um, and so, and then they said, we want you to be on the set. So I was on the set. And so I stayed, I, I pretty much saw every, uh, every scene except for the three days I was in the hospital. Wow. So, Father, the, why did you guys pick the movie, the, the, the title Nefarious? That's an interesting title, Nefarious. Well, uh, a guy named Steve, Steve Dace, he uh, has a radio show, and he wrote a book called The Nefarious Plot. They like the I, they like the name of the book, so they bought the rights for the book, and, and they asked Steve, can we make a movie out of it? But we're not going to use anything in your book at all, so that's pretty much – they just bought the rights for the title – uh, theoretically, they could have just not done that, but they they want they, they're very just and and fair guys. So they said, "Hey, we will do that." Well, so they gave them they bought the rights and they wrote the script completely with no nothing from the book at all. You know, and you you could see uh, once again just in some of the trailers the way mental illness and and diabolic possession oftentimes it's not either or it's both and. You see it in yes. this prisoner here; it's mm -hmm. not. Uh, you know, it, it's both of them work in tandem oftentimes where you have that, you know, uh, diet, that, that, that psychological compatibility with a demon, you know, mm -hmm. people that are just involved in, in such a dark life. But Father, um, we want people to go out and watch the movie. Can you give people a, a rousing invite to go watch the movie on April 14th? Yes. Uh, AMC. Uh, About two minutes. Two minutes. AMC, Cinemark, and also Regal. Just, uh, I already have a guy in Austin buying up theaters for. He wants to buy up theaters for it. As soon as, he, as, soon as we find out where they're going to be showing, uh, I cannot emphasize it enough. It's not a, a movie that's going to cause nightmares. It's, uh, it's, it's a movie that uh, you can. It shows you basically. It's preaching the gospel in reverse. It talks about the dark gospel specifically, and so it kind of tells you. Uh, how the devil works, kind of like how screw tape letters the book from C.S. Lewis works. So I, I cannot emphasize enough that this is a really unique uh, exorcism film, if you will, or possession film or demonic possession film. It's super unique. There's no movie ever, its own genre. So I can't even tell you that it's compared it to anything because you can't, you can't compare it to anything. And so I strongly recommend that you go out there and support it. You got to go the first weekend. It's, it's also, they didn't know this, but they picked, Divine Mercy weekend, and they had no idea they wow. had picked it. I told you guys, you guys know what that weekend that is, right? They go, no, what? I go, that's Divine Mercy weekend. And they go, oh my gosh, we didn't know that. So it's uh, God's going to help us out, uh, help them out specifically to get this out, the word out. But we really have to push it because what happens is if we go and we get more and more people showing up, then we get more theaters. And so the other movies get less theaters and we can have more people to go see it. So we cannot uh, emphasize enough. Uh, the the impact this movie will make on other people's lives. This would be a good way uh, to really wrap up the Lent. Uh, yes. Again, because the movie has a lot of, is it fair to say that the movie has a lot of Catholic sensibilities, right? You you know what? Uh, besides the priest in there, you you um, you, you could you could definitely. Uh, it's it's not like strong like which is which is just to give you a quick uh, story the. Uh, the, this, the colorist who was doing the colorization of the film, he saw it for the third time and he goes, wait a minute, is this one of those Christian films? Because he didn't know. He couldn't wow. tell. So that's how good of writing it is that you can preach the, you can, you're here, you are preaching to the, you're preaching to people who are not in the choir and they don't even know it. 
he goes, wait a minute. This seems kind of like a Christian film. Wait a minute, because he, he didn't know at first. So it's not really in your faith. That's what makes it so brilliant is that nobody, if you're if you're a non-believer, you're like, you think it's going to be a horror film because it's about the devil and people who love devil films are going to go there and they're going to find out, wait a minute, wait, what? What's what's going on here? So, Father, so the, once again, when is the movie coming out? How many theaters? And what's the name of the movie? It's called Nefarious. Comes out April fourteenth, and it's going to be right now. They have at least three hundred and fifty theaters. They used to have eighteen hundred. So the goal is to get to at least six hundred theaters by the uh, the end of the, uh, before the fourteenth. Uh, but you know, we're hoping that people buy tickets ahead of time, and so they have to get more theaters too. So. Father Darren, thank you very much for coming on. Can you give us your priestly blessing? May Almighty God bless all of your listeners and those who in the future. May God bless them, protect them, and bring them all to eternal life. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Father Darren Molina. We'll have to have you back. And uh, we're going to get this. Well, I'm going to broadcast this every single day, this movie, up until the 14th. So we'll keep pushing it here on Virgin Most Powerful. And I'm going to be contacting my other podcaster friends i sent one to you but i'm going to send about yeah. another half a dozen today so that you can go on their podcast and you can start pushing the video so Appreciate father it. thank you very much for coming on god bless you keep the faith god bless you guys thank you for your prayers and pray that my COVID gets done quickly <laughs> <laughs> and thank you for being a, a good holy priest out there in hollywood uh fighting the good fight of faith in that culture of death thank you father very much thank you my friend god bless okay hey this is the terry and jesse show You've been listening to uh, Father Darren Molina, myself, about the movie Nefarious. And tonight I'm I'm in St. Thomas Aquinas in Bridgewood, Massachusetts. Bridgewater. Bridgewater, Massachusetts. Uh, I'll be on tonight at 7 o'clock talking about the power of the sacrament of confession. Uh, Last night the church was packed. Hope to see you there tonight as well. God bless you. Keep the faith. We'll see you next time. Same Christ time. Same Christ channel.